This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. How much does a high school matter? Or to put it more precisely, how much of a difference does it make if you go to one high school rather than another? And if it is a high school that really does matter for your child, what about that school is crucial for whether or not they're going to have a chance to go to college? Well, those are some of the questions that parents ponder every time they move to a new community and every time they have a chance to pick the high school their child will attend. And now we have some information on this that uh, might be useful for parents. Uh, Scott Carroll at the University of Texas in Austin, Texas, uh, provides some answers in a paper that he's written with four colleagues, which is entitled do schools matter measuring the impact of California high schools on test scores and post-secondary or college enrollment? His paper was presented, or their paper, I should say, was presented at a recent conference of the National Bureau for Economic Research. And it shed some new light on a question that parents have been asking for a long time. So I'm delighted to have Scott Carroll with me on the Education Exchange today. Scott, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Paul. Uh, Scott, we shall dig into your methodology as we go along, but could you first tell our listeners just how important a high school is for whether or not a student goes to college? Does it really make any difference, or is it just family background that counts for everything, and perhaps the qualities of the student uh, themselves? So, you know, how important really is at which high school you go to? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a really interesting and important question. I think uh, intuitively. Uh, parents uh, know that schools matter. Otherwise, we uh, parents wouldn't spend such a, a long time figuring out which neighborhood, which school they want to live, uh, neighborhood they want to live in, uh, where they want to buy a house. And and we know from you know past research going back you know two decades in the economics literature that uh, perce perceptions of school quality influence housing prices. Um, and so this this uh, paper really uh, wanted to seek out how much does which high school you go to influence not only how you achieve on standardized test scores, which has been the benchmark used for, say, school accountability purposes, but something that's, you know, socially more important, uh, which was uh, college enrollment. Well, not only socially, but I would say, you know, if you don't go to college, you're probably not going to make as much money the rest of your, I mean, you can, there are some exceptions out there. I think uh, Mr. Gates did fairly well without graduating from college, but on the whole, it pays to go to college and uh, graduate from college. Yeah. Four-year college is better than a two-year college, so that's pretty yeah. well accepted, isn't it? Yeah. So okay. So economically important as an economist, you know, my my gold standard would be how how much does the high school influence your wages, say at age twenty-eight or thirty-five or something like this. But um, you know, with the data that we had access to. Uh, in California, you know, our first step was to to look at this question is how much does your high school influence uh, whether or not you go to college and, and in particular, whether or not you go to a two year or four year. And, and the results were surprisingly much higher than I uh, initially expected. So if you think about the overall effect of where you go to high school, uh, and we can talk about the methodologies, but we're taking out uh, as much as we can about the person's own incoming characteristics. You know, how well did they do in, in junior high? What are their demographic characteristics, et cetera? 
you know, going from the average high school to not even the best high school, a high school that's, you know, a standard deviation higher in the distribution of schools. I knew you were going to use that word standard deviation. I yeah. could see it coming down the pike. <laughs> but uh, our listeners are going to raise eyebrows immediately. What in the world do you mean by a standard deviation high school? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I suppose that must mean you know, quite a bit better than average. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's about this, you know, this, what this, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be uh, called out as an amateur statistician, even though I'm an, you know, I'm an applied statistician, but about, you know, the, the average to it, it, the, you know, 60th or 70th percentile of the distribution, you can uh, say increases the likelihood a student goes to any college uh, by about 10 uh, percentage points. Um, so about two thirds of, of students in high school go to college. And so what this says is where you go to high school, um, you know, you could say from, you know, the best high schools to the worst high schools, this, this has a, you know, potentially decreases the likelihood you go to high, uh, college and cut in half. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about. From not know, from the best, but from, uh, but let's say from a. One standard deviation above to one standard deviation below. So that would be the difference between a, a really pretty good high school yeah. and a really pretty crummy high school. Yeah. Right? A well above average to a well below average is going to be about a 20 percentage point. 20 percentage points difference in the likelihood yes, that yes. you're going to go to four-year colleges? Yeah, so like 75% of the students to, uh, you know, 55% uh, of the students in the high school, you could, you know, for, for instance, whether or not you go to any college, we, we find equally large effects for four years. So about 30% uh, of the students in the state of California go to four-year colleges. And, and again, going from a, you know, a, a above average high school to a, a below average high school, uh, again, you know, could affects your probability of going to a four-year school by 20 percentage points. So uh, uh, that's a, almost too big in terms of, you, you, you know, as an economist, when I first saw these results, I'm like, wow, that seems too big to be true. Uh, and so we we spent the next couple of years trying to figure out what was driving it uh, in which- Yeah, we, well, there, we now this about. is something I wanted to ask you about because it seems to me it's a little bit, you know, when parents pick a high school, they sort of look at, okay, who else goes to that high school? And if the student body looks pretty sound and looks pretty like it's acceptable, they'll say, okay, that's probably a pretty good high school because, you know, there are people like me, like my child are going to be going to that school. So people sort of pick high schools uh, quite a bit by the kinds of students who attend that high school. Now, is that a good basis for picking a high school? Yeah, I think, you know, in the absence of having these estimates that economists do, it, it as a parent, that's, I think that's the best approximation that you could probably pick. So, so it turns out, you know, uh, that 10 percentage point effect I was referring to, uh, when you go from the average school to one standard deviation, uh, by our estimates, about half of that is driven by peers and neighborhood characteristics. So about half of your 20% difference that we were talking about before is really the kinds of kids that go there or the kind of neighborhood the school is located in. Correct, correct. And, yeah. and, and why do you think that is the case? 
You know, so I've spent a, I've spent a couple of decades studying peer influence. So uh, I, I might be biased in my own assessment, but I, I think there's ample evidence that that peers matter. Uh, and you know, and and in terms of the the choice to go to college, uh, you know, the you know, there's also ample evidence that neighborhoods matter in terms of a whole bunch of outcomes. Old work by Ed Glazer shows you know the neighborhood effects in crime. Uh, Joe Altanji uh, at Yale has has a lot of work on how neighborhoods uh, affect. We we also know siblings affect uh, uh, individuals' decisions. And so you know when we look at this college and home decision, the peer and the neighborhood effects, and we also look at family effects. Those factors. It's not just the decision, though, is it? It's also what you're going to learn in school that will enable you to go to college. So I take it if you go to a high school with kids who are a little bit more studious, you're probably going to benefit from that. If the if there's an uproar in your high school every morning, that's probably not going to be a very good place to learn something. So I, I can just see a lot of things about a high school that are gonna be dramatically affected by the kinds of students who are attending that school. Yeah, I, I would agree. And we, we, we think it's about half uh, based on this new paper. Uh, you know, you mentioned it affects how much you learn. And, and so we also, we look at how, how uh, much high schools influence learning as measured on standardized achievement tests in, in both English language arts and mathematics. And then importantly, we look at the relationship between, well, if you go to a high school that's good at improving, say, math uh, achievement, how does that influence uh, college enrollment? And, and so the answer is yes. If you, you know, schools that are better at improving students' math also are better at improving uh, college enrollment, but only about a third, one third of the, the college enrollment effect is, is due to that uh, uh, influence on math achievement. So said differently, about two thirds of what goes on in a high school that affects college enrollment is is unrelated to math and English language arts test score gains. Well, is it the same for uh, languages or from for reading? I call it reading, but your ability in the in the in the other major domain domain besides math is that equally applicable to? The answer to, is no. So it, it turns out, at least in terms of college enrollment, the math achievement is more important for the college enrollment margin. They're both statistically significant and related. If you put them, you know, both in the same statistical model and say, you know, which one dominates or which one is more important, the, the math achievement effects at, at the school level completely wipe out the English language arts. But is there more variability in the high schools in their uh, in their capacity to teach math? Do you get a, a bigger uh, standard deviation than in uh, in the math than in the reading? We, we don't. The, the the distributions are remarkably similar. Uh, when you, when you look at the full distribution of the math and English language arts effects, the distributions are almost sitting on top of each other. That said, some schools are better at math than English language arts and, and others are better at English language arts than math. So Scott, let me ask you why you picked on California. I mean, <laughs> here you are in Texas, uh, you're not allowed to talk about California. You're always celebrating Texas over California. So what's why are you picking on California here? Well, the, the first thing I can say is that I was I, I was 10 years active duty Air Force, 10 years in the reserves, and I've lived 
all over the country and I've loved everywhere I lived. Um, I happened uh, to recently move from California from tech, uh, from California to Texas. So after getting out of the military, I spent two years at Dartmouth College and then I uh, spent the, the last 16 years at the University of California, Davis. And so my co-authors all have a connection to UC Davis. Uh, while, while I was there, uh, McCall Kurlander, uh, Paco Martorell, uh, who are both in the School of Education, and myself, who was in the Economics Department, we started what was called the California Education Lab. And we did so because uh, quite literally the state of California didn't even know how many kids went to college. And so we, we have uh, raised a, a substantial amount of money. And the first thing that we did about seven years ago was uh, took data from the California Department of Education and then matched it with college going uh, records uh, from the National Student Clearinghouse. Uh, and, and that took a substantial amount of time and money. We've uh, subsequently then matched these data to the California State University system, some data from uh, the uh, University of California system, as well as the community college system. So we we have for all practical purposes, the data warehouse uh, uh, for the state of California on educational outcomes uh, for all students about 20 years from 2003 to the present uh, of all students who attended um, public schools in California. So what, what years are you actually talking about here that your your uh, your data are taken for? The, the kids must have been at some point in high school and then later on they're going to college or not going to college. So when when does your study begin and how many years you have here? So due to some, you know, data limitations, namely that the state of California switched over to um, uh, new standardized testing, and then because of, of the pandemic and matching with data, we're focusing this study on four cohorts of, cohorts of students who graduated high school from 2016 through 2019, or they were, you know, uh, during that time frame. Our test score data, they were uh, juniors in high school 2015 through 2018. Okay, so it's fairly recent graduates from high school. It's before COVID, but it's just before COVID. And then you're looking at what's happened to them in terms of going to college since then. So some of them are still in college from, from those cohorts. I was, yeah, boom. yeah our, our future work wants to look at um, uh, persistence in college. Uh, but because of the pandemic, we decided to focus this first paper on first-time fall enrollment after their senior year of high school. Uh, so the class of 2019 um wasn't affected that the pandemic hit in you know in spring of their freshman year of college so so we wouldn't be uh, uh influenced by any pandemic effects on college enrollment which we know you know are are, are quite large our lab has another uh paper examining the pandemic effects and and it mostly hit the community college system and uh disproportionately hit uh lower income students um but yeah so there were large effects from the pandemic and we didn't want that to confound our estimates so uh, you just mentioned the community colleges, and I I think you find less of an effect of the kind of high school you attend on whether or not you go to community college. Am I correct in that? I think you're partially correct, Paul. So the uh, we, we find a, a, a very interesting thing. So when we just look at the average effects, you're correct. So if you go to a, a high school that's good at improving math, you're actually slightly less likely to go to a two-year college. And, and that's but is that because you're going to a four-year college instead? If you're if you're a high middle or a higher ability student, you uh, are 
your push from a two-year college to a four-year college. Uh, as it turns out, if you go to a school that's good at improving math and you you come in and you're a low-ability student, uh, you're pushed uh, from no college to two-year college. So I think that there's a, a really positive silver lining, uh, which means that you know high-quality schools improve outcomes for both low-ability students by inducing them to go from no college to two-year college, and then middle and higher-ability students uh, are pushed from going from two-year colleges to four-year colleges. So now we've been talking a lot about the kinds of kids that go to the college and uh, to a high school and how that affects you. But you also say that half of the effect of, of the school you picked to go to high school is going to be half of the effect is going to be due to some other things like the climate at the school or the teachers teaching at the school, the staff there and and there and also the guidance counseling you get at the school. So how do you measure those things and and why do you think those things are also important? Well, there's a there's a you know a long literature on charter schools uh, and uh, particularly in New York and, and Boston, uh, inner city charter schools have been shown to be effective and and that work has shown you know school safety, uh, the length of the school day, uh, climate uh, definitely matters. And so we we were curious, you know, our study is unique in that we have 1,500 high schools in the state of California. Uh, you know, most of them are what you'd call a traditional school in which students go to their neighborhood school. And so much of the research in economics is focused on this smaller subset of schools that have lotteries and wait lists. Uh, and so we want to see how our effects compared to those and then after we found that, you know, schools really do matter for whether or not you go to college, we, we, we wanted to say, well, what is it about schools that matter? And then importantly, do parents recognize what a good school is? And so we took survey data uh, from uh, students and parents uh, about what they said about the school. And there were questions about the teacher and staff quality. There were a number of questions about the school climate safety. And there were a fewer, but some questions about uh, counseling support, guidance support, uh, help uh, for college enrollment. And so we were curious of how how these survey questions correlated with, you know, our more sophisticated models of, of school quality uh, uh, done in the paper. And, and it turns out that uh, that students and, and, and parents do a pretty good job of identifying what a good school is uh, through these surveys. And, and among those measures, um, the school climate seemed to dominate the, uh, among those factors. So all three factors, counseling support, uh, teacher and staff quality, and school climate are all positive predictors of, of higher quality schools, both in terms of test scores and college enrollment. But the school climate uh, among those things was the, was the, the largest uh, factor, the most predominant in, in, our, in our analysis. So school climate, by that, you sort of, your indicators are, is it safe to go to this school or do parents perceive it as a safe school? Yes. And is there some other things about it? Like, yeah, I, I should, I should, I should have pulled the paper up and looked at the questions. We have 20 different questions and you could argue what, you know, what, whether these are all school climate, but it's, it's, you know, welcoming encouragement. Um, do I feel safe? Uh, am I comfortable? Do, do I, you know, the learning environment, these sorts of things. Is it the student that fills this out or is it the, the, uh, the, the parent? We, we have uh, students, we have parent surveys, and there are, are a few questions on the, on the uh, teaching staff as well. Uh, 
I'd have to look at the breakdown uh, of you know how many questions came from each group, but uh, we combined several different surveys to to improve our our power and precision. So it's a combination of the viewpoints of parents and students right. and 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 the teachers themselves to some Correct. extent. Yeah. So I think one important distinction. There's been some work you know, on school choice and how do how do parents uh, and students you know pick a school when they have the opportunity to choose. Uh, what's different about our survey measures are these are the students that are in the school. So once they're in the school, uh, do they recognize that the school is actually high quality? And we we find that they actually do. Um, and it turns out that our survey measures, like we talked about the two-year enrollment, um, you know, those are negatively related to two-year enrollment and positively related to the four-year enrollment effects of, of the school. So now do you think that if we could use this methodology of yours or something like that, that is to say, control for the background characteristics of the child, control for the kinds of peer group that are at the school and the neighborhood effects and do all that. And we could supply information on every school in the country to every parent in the country so that they could actually uh, look it up and find out whether or not they could, um, you know, whether this school looks better than that school, would, th would this be, would this be uh, a way to improve our educational system? Yeah, I, well, in terms of information, I think um, there's a nice experiment, a, a, a researcher, an economist at um, UCLA, Chris, Christopher Campos, he, he ran an experiment and gave parents in, in LA unified school districts at Los Angeles information on the, the value added to the school. So that's the technical term of what we're estimating. So these school value added measures. And, and it turns out when they made their school choice decisions that it, providing that information did positively influence the quality of schools that they chose. So I think there's evidence there that parents would use this information to make decisions when they have the opportunity to choose schools. One of the things that we're curious about and, and is on our list of agenda items is to say, well, how many how many students have access to a high quality school? And so, you know, what we currently don't know is the geographic distribution of the good schools versus uh, the lower quality schools. And so, you know, one of the statistics that would be nice is what fraction of students in state of California are late, located within, say, five or ten miles. Of, of a high quality school that it does a good job of it improving both uh, academic achievement as well as college enrollment outcomes. Well, one question that occurs to me is uh, whether or not, uh, you know, this is something that can be used other than in California, or is this, is California the only place where you can get this kind of information about high schools? You know, it all depends on the state. You know, the state of Florida had a long-standing uh, history of, of giving access to, uh, to to data to researchers. That's been a little more difficult to uh, to access. It's called the Florida K twenty warehouse. The state of Texas probably has the most open access data. Their data is also linked to employment outcomes, so state uh, uh, unemployment records. So you can access uh, wage income. Uh, whether or not someone has a job, and that's all linked. And so a number of students at, at the University of Texas, Austin, actually throughout the country have accessed uh, the, the state of Texas data. 
Uh, other states are 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 very um, uh, unwilling to give their data uh, to researchers to do these, these things. Now, what I will say in, in terms of the ability to to estimate these models, you know, they're they're somewhat complex. But you know, if you read the the, the paper carefully, you don't really have to uh, match everyone to a neighborhood and and control for the neighborhood to get a pretty good estimate. Uh, what we find is, you, you know, what most state agency data include our our test scores, demographic characteristics. Um, and, and most importantly, you need to have prior prior test score achievement. And you, once you control for those factors, if you control for the average peer characteristics of say the prior test scores and the demographics, that does a pretty good job of approximating for these neighborhood effects that we discussed earlier. And so I think most states could estimate these models um, you know, th there's there's plenty of, of economists or education researchers that would be capable of estimating it if they were given given access to the data. So why don't they? I mean, why aren't we making this kind of information available to the American public? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. You know, the you know, as an academic researcher, it, you always want uh, policymakers to uh, to listen. Yeah, you know, I, I think these value added models in the education world. Um, you know, for better or worse, have have received some criticism. Um, I'm I'm convinced that that they provide a a, a quite unbiased measure. You know, they're 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 not perfect, but they provide a, a very good uh, you know measure of school quality. Uh, there's been some criticism over the years that these techniques have been used to evaluate teachers. And then uh, there's a lot. There was a lawsuit in California a number of years ago when, when you know, the teacher quality measures uh, were published, and and you know, teachers were named as the good or or the bad teachers. And I, I do think that that probably caused some negative press uh, around the language of you know value added models that economists you know have coined them. So uh, where do you see your research going in the future, uh, Scott? Well, you know. From a big picture perspective, uh, I'm interested in, in understanding ways to improve uh, lifelong outcomes for individuals. And so my work in the California Education Lab will continue. We, we have a number of research projects. In, in, as it relates to this particular project, I think there's still quite a bit we can learn. I'm very curious, you know, California has, you know, one of the larger states in charter schools. So on our list of to-dos is to look at, you know, how do charter schools compare to uh, traditional public schools? Uh, as I mentioned before, we're interested in, in how the high quality versus the lower quality schools are ge geographically distributed and how much access students have to these schools. I think there's other outcomes that I'm interested in, in terms of the college quality margin. And, and then importantly, um, both transfer from the two year to four year. Do the high, does the high school influence how well you do once you get to the community college and uh, once you get to the four year college in terms of persistence and graduation? Is well, yes, but uh, you know we hear a lot of people say that test scores really don't make that they're not that important. And really, the social and emotional learning that you get in school or don't get in school is much more important. So, you do you have anything? Do you see anything in your data that sheds light on that debate? That seems to be very lively right now. I, I don't have anything directly that can assess that, other than I can say that test scores matter. <laughs> in terms of, uh, I, I'm a I'm a person who believes in in you know multi dimensional measures of assessing school quality. 
you know, the, the state of California does not have um, the non-cognitive type of outcomes, but there is some good research uh, being done. I think uh, uh, Nolan Pope and, and uh, his co-author, I believe it's Michael Gilrain, um, have, have looked at the uh, teacher effects in, in LA and looked at the, the uh, test score and as well as the non-cognitive outcomes and both, both matter. Um, and so, yeah, I think more work could be done at the school level to, to try to decompose this, this total effect. We know about a third of it is the test scores. The other two thirds, you know, could be these non-cognitive development skills through counselors and socio-emotional skills uh, and teacher teacher effects and, uh, and other attributes that are unrelated to test scores. So the, so I think what I would at least leave you with is about one third is, is seems to be test scores. There's two thirds of that we can't measure um, that things that go on in, in a school, even when you take out the neighborhood and peer effects that influence, uh, you know, whether or not a student goes to, to college. Yeah, so often it's both and rather than either or. It's both the family and the school. It's both the neighborhood and the school. It's both uh, uh, social and emotional learning and uh, old-fashioned academic learning. So thank you very much, Scott, for your insights. And thank you very much for this important contribution to, to the literature. Thank you, Paul. It was a pleasure. I've been speaking with Scott Carroll, a professor of economics at the University of Texas in Austin, Texas. He is the author of a new paper entitled, Do Schools Matter? Measuring the Impact of California High Schools on Test Scores and Post-Secondary Enrollment. He has joined me today on the Education Exchange talking about a paper that was presented at a conference on the National Bureau for Economic Research. I am Paul Peterson. Please join me for a new Education Exchange podcast that is released on the Education X website every Monday at noon Eastern time.